0: life. And now, for our speaker. Well, good morning. It's good to see you all. And I am so excited to be again for a second time with you in person in here. And if you're watching online, welcome. We're glad that you're with us. And as already stated before, uh, next week we'll be able to have a few more of you in this room, those who are ready and comfortable to do so, and we would certainly invite you uh, to join us. But if you are with us last week, you know we started a new series titled Prodigal, and we were looking, going to be looking through the prodigal son over the next several weeks, and we left off with Jesus leading a story, just about to get into one which is where we're going to start today. So let's have a word of prayer. Just start with the Lord before we jump into his word. So God, we just pray in this moment that your scripture, your word, your truth be spoken and written into the hearts of your people. Father, so far we've lifted our voices in praise and God, we just ask that you accept that as worship unto your feet, Lord. That, God, when your word was spoken, when it was read, that your people, us, open our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us, your followers, Christ believers, Lord. And in this moment, we just pray that this message, that this truth only has come from the source of the Almighty Father. So this is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The the air was getting a little tense on this particular day and a a crowd had started to develop. You see, his time was running short and he knew that he had to take advantage of every possible moment. Now, the crowd that day was, was made up of the worst of the worst. But... It was also made up of the best of the best. So how is he going to say what needs to be said to a crowd so diverse and from the opposite sides of life, all right now, in this moment? Challenging? Certainly challenging, no doubt about that. But not impossible. So perhaps a story would be good. In fact, let me warm them up with just a few little ones. But let me get to a story And so he opens his mouth and what comes out becomes one of the most famous opening statements of any story ever told. He says, there was a man who had two sons and then right there the diverse crowd, they just Stopped what they were doing, and they began to lean in to the words on the tip of the tongue of this man from Nazareth, named Jesus. And the story that he is about to tell becomes one of the most famous of all time. Later, someone will give it the title, The Prodigal Son. But Jesus used stories all the time, all the time. In fact, it was one of his favorite ways to teach was to tell a story. Now, the stories he, he, you know, he would tell necessarily weren't true in a literal sense, but they always pointed toward a larger spiritual truth. And this story is absolutely no different. But before we kind of just pick in and jump in to where we're going to start today, I want to start by asking all of us, by the sound of my voice in person or online, just a couple of questions to get us ready to receive the story that Jesus is about to tell. And that first question I like to ask right now is, do any of us, do you, do I right now, do we have any grace Issues that we're struggling with at the moment. Do you struggle with extending grace to a person, giving grace to an individual? You know, grace is defined as being undeserved love. So, are you struggling right now with extending undeserved love to a person right now in your life? Now, if you are, in fact, while I was saying that, and if a person came up into your mind, here's what I want you to do. I want you to invite that person mentally to the seat next to you and share this story with each other. And the second question that I want to ask is that are you right now yourself struggling with extending that same grace to yourself? Are you having a hard time giving it? And are you having a hard time receiving it if you're there? Because you see, we, you and I, we are the most critical of ourselves more than anybody else in the world. Because we know ourselves more than anybody else in the world. And so I just want to start up front saying that if you answered yes to one or both of those questions, then congratulations! You actually have something in common with the very people that heard this story on the first day it was ever told. And you and I can still be in that diverse crowd, even thousands of years later, hearing it once again. And so, before the great crowd, Jesus begins to tell a story with this there was a man who had two sons. The younger son said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. And so he divided the property among them. Now let's stop right there. Usually you don't stop right there. That's like the setup of the story. You just kind of like, like, we need to know what's happening. What's taking place? Okay, I get it, yep, some guy came in and asked for some money, and then that's where his story begins. But actually the story has already begun for the developing of the character of the young son. You see, what took place right now, just in that first sentence of that story, is that it is important to know that at the time the Jewish culture, when this story was told, it was based what was called a shame and honor society. That's what it was. Everything you did either brought shame or honor to you and your family. And so in this case, what we just experienced in the first two sentences of this story is that right now, the son, young son, has gone to his father to ask for his estate. Well, the only way to receive an inheritance or an estate is that if the head of the house dies. And then it will be deeded out appropriately. That's the only way you can get your inheritance or estate. So we start the story off with the young son essentially saying to his dad, dad, I wish you were dead so I can get your money. The son has brought shame to his family. He has brought shame to his father. Essentially, he's just saying, let's skip the dead part, and can you just give it to me now? Because I do feel that way about you. Can I have it? And so the young song took all his inheritance, all of his estate, his money, whatever, whatever was given to him, and he left his father's house. And so the story continues. It says, not long after that not years later not long after that the younger son got together all he had everything he had and he set off for a distant country not even the same country of his father's land to a distant country and in there in a distant place away from home, he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he spent everything, everything, there was a severe famine in that entire country. And he found himself in great need. And so he went out. And he hired himself to a citizen of that country who then sent him to his fields to feed pigs. And oh, he longed, the young son longed to fill his stomach with the food that the pigs were eating. But no one, no one gave him anything. The young son has now spent all of his money, all of his estate, all of his inheritance, and he's found himself now tending pigs. The most unclean animal according to the Jewish tradition. I mean, so essentially, the the son here has gone off and expended his entire inheritance, his entire wealth that his father has given him. And he has now gone into a distant land, a distant country. He wanted to be so separated from his father that he didn't even want to be in the same country that his family was in. And so he left to another nation and he spent all of his wealth there. And then as he found himself now with nothing, He had to go and be at the the submission, to be at the authority of a citizen of that other nation who then said, The only job I have is for you to feed the pigs. How many of us have found ourselves feeding the pigs from time to time? Feeding in a different, far distant land that we, for whatever reason, feel that we can't come home. And in fact, that we in ourselves, in our hearts, in our souls, in our minds from time to time will find ourselves being in the pig pen. And the funny thing is that Pigs are still today considered very unclean animals. Oh, bacon's very good. I do like that. Uh, there's a lot of things about the pig that taste very good. But there is a reason why even still today that pork is not a part of the Jewish diet. And so the story continues. Could you imagine if that's where it ends? Like right there is where the prodigal son story ends. It ends with hopelessness. It ends with you going and dishonoring your family and then going into a far land, losing everything. And if the story was to end right there, the moral of that story would be, I told you so. I told you so. But you see, the story doesn't stop. It actually keeps Going, and it says this, the next few words, the next actually five or six words, changes the entire story. It says, "When he came to his senses." When he came to his senses, he was covered in filth, feeding pigs, wanting to, he was desiring the same food that the pigs were eating. He was wanting that unnutritional whatever it is in his body. And he was in the filth of it all when he came to his senses and he said to himself, How many of my father's hired servants? Not even family, not sons, not daughters, not not as why not mom. How many of my father's hired servants? have food to spare. And here I am, starving to death. And this is such an incredible part of the story. Such an amazing part of the story because you see when we actually break down the words come, came to his senses, what that actually translates from, what that actually means is that he felt shame. That's what it actually means. It means that he felt shame, that he was in the pig pen, that he was covered in dirt, that he was covered in mess, he was covered in sin, and he felt shame. And it was when he felt shame that he said to himself, how many of my father's hired servants don't even have to worry about where they eat? How many of us have ever felt shame before? Everyone loves it, right? No. (laughs) No, we don't like shame. We don't like shame at all. But I'm going to tell you that shame is a very funny thing. See, many of us associate shame as a very extremely negative feeling. Because it is. (laughs) Anytime you feel it, every time you experience it, you don't walk away usually going, Man, I feel great. That That was remarkable. Thank you for that. You don't usually walk away feeling that way. And oftentimes, shame is brought onto us from an outside source. Somebody else actually is putting it on us, wanting us to experience it from another person. But I'm going to tell you, in my research of all this, when I was looking at that phrase, came to his senses, and I started doing a deep dive on shame and all this other stuff, I found, I discovered that there are actually five types of people when it comes to shame. There are five different shamers, if you will, in kind of the shame dictionary. And those five are inflators, comparers, projectors, translators, and exaggerators. These are the five types of shame. The inflators, these are the guys that are great. Oh, man, they're good, too. They are great. At turning one single bad decision that you made, and they took that one little bad decision or bad act, and they have now painted you as a bad person. You are no longer who I thought you were. You are, and I cannot trust you anymore. I cannot, I cannot, and it is, they are inflating. That one thing, maybe it wasn't your best day. Maybe it wasn't your, 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 your highlight moment of the week. But now, they have painted you with one stroke saying that you are no longer a part of this. And so they turn that one bad single decision into a new identity that is now yours to carry. Then you have comparers. Comparers uh, these guys uh, really are kind of more of an interpersonal struggle here. But comparers, they compare someone else's success. So if somebody else is successful, they, that always equals your personal failure. If somebody else is successful, that means you are a failure. See, these guys, these guys feel it every time they jump on social media. When they're going through Instagram or Facebook or or Twitter or fill in the blank, I know there's like a hundred of them out there, uh, that these guys are just every scroll that they, every little scroll they take is like a mini shaming ceremony within their heart. They just feel like that they can't get there. They can't, these guys have it and I don't. And then you have projectors projectors believe that everyone must have the same negative thoughts about you that you have about yourself. That you know the worst things about you. You know everything about you that is just bad. And so you automatically project that onto you from everyone else in the room. I'm here to tell you today that that's not true. The projecting isn't true. That's Satan projecting that image on you. And then the last one is translators. Translators. And these guys are good at turning any, any minor criticism into a major attack on your character. Minor criticism into a major attack on your character. For example, you know, your wife has come up to you and she, she said, honey, I've. I've asked you to take the trash out like three times. You know, three times. And so the, the husband, now my wife doesn't you know, do this, of course, she's an angel. But, you know, when I, I you know, you could take that as like, I cannot, you're translating it as like, I'm not a provider for my family. I'm not, I, I'm not because I am trash. You know, I may be a little over exact, but, but, you know, it, it's, it, they translate what is intended not to be shameful, but they translate it into their heart as an act of shame. You know and these are translators they don't know the difference between finding a dollar on the ground and robbing a bank you know it's just they translate it to, to always to the extreme and then they'll beat themselves up from have you guys ever experienced any of this before have you ever seen someone maybe going through some of these things before and you're looking back on you know we don't think that much we don't think that way about you you know that right Maybe you're kind of walking with someone who's going through some of these things right now. And I'm going to tell you that these indeed absolutely can hurt. And they do create negative feelings. Absolutely create negative feelings. But what if I told you? What if I told you that not all shame is bad? What if I told you? Follow me, hang with me for a moment. What if I told you that not all shame is bad or intended to make you feel bad? See, there is a type of shame that we can actually experience that is very healthy, very growing, very positive. It is there, it's the shame of the Holy Spirit. Now, now work with me here. The difference between the two, the difference between the two is that the spirit's shame will never be intended to destroy or hurt you. It will never be to destroy what God is trying to build and redeem and create. He's not trying to actually to, to rip you to pieces to say that I am better than you. Listen up. You better do what I say. Is that that type of shame? But instead, that any time that shame of the spirit comes, it's actually a way for him to come save us. It's actually a way for him to, it's essentially he's throwing out the life, the life raft there and he's saying, grab on because you, are, you don't even realize you're drowning. Here, grab on to this. Grab onto that. I'll even do the work and pull you in. I just need you to grab onto it. This is the spirit. This is what he's working and doing. It's the feeling that we get when we realize that we're somewhere we don't belong and we've chosen a way of life that is less than what we were created for. That the young son right now in our story, that he's laying with the pigs covered in dirt and covered in mess and he's covered in all this stuff. And in that moment, it's that the Spirit spoke into him. He cast out a life, a life raft and told the young son to grab on. Hold this. Hold this. And he's saying, and then the son says, I came to my senses. I came to my sen- I realized that I am somewhere I don't belong. I've been created more for this than what I'm experiencing. Now, what I don't want you to hear is that, is that we never go into the pig pens or the dirty messes of life. Not, that's not to say that we never go in those places, but you see is that we actually have to be on the other end so that when, when our brothers and our sisters are covered in dirt and mess all around them, covered in sin, that we could go into the pen and be that extending hand to get them out of the dirt instead of being the ones kneeling next to them eating with the pigs. Is that we must... And our hearts and our souls and our minds be fully given over to Christ. To be given to him. And so through that, through the Holy Spirit, and thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God for that he is still calling out our names and throwing us a life raft every now and then. Thank God for that. You know, this is the, this is the pivoting moment in our Scripture was that when the young son in the story experienced that with the spirit, and when he woke up and he found himself eating from the pig pen and instead of his father's table, is when he realized he wasn't where he belonged. So I'm willing to bet that many of us in this room have found ourselves in a spiritual pig pen from time to time. That we've been there before. That this pig pen work with me here Uh, this this place where we're going to comfortably eat with the pigs if you will looks a little different than you know maybe than what our, our neighbor is going through but it looks a little different for all of us but we know that the feeling is actually identical it's the same some might be the, the pen of addiction or bad relationships or depression or finances. You may be struggling with those things and that, that just is covering you and you feel like you cannot escape or get out of it. And right now in our world, it may be loneliness, it may be illness, and it may be a several, you haven't had a job in months and you don't know what to do. And so what you have done is you've lent yourself out to another country to go and try to find your satisfaction. And you have found, and you've been on the road and the journey, and you are spent. You have nothing. You have nothing to give people, and you feel like no one could give you anything. And so you find yourself in the pen, and you want to go eat with the pigs. And I'm here to tell you that the Father has set the table, and He wants you to come and eat because you are not, you are not, not that person. We are not called or created to be there. It's okay to come home. It's okay. Because he's made the table. He's set it up. And he's got your placement, your name. But just like our young man in the story here, in the prodigal son, there's something that has to happen that is always the most difficult thing The moment we realize or as the story as the scripture said when we came to our senses the moment we realize that wait a minute how did i get here how did this happen wait one minute ago i was at my father's house i didn't even have to worry about where i was going to be eating from and it was steak oh my goodness it was so good and there were leftovers And even the servants, they didn't have to worry. How did I get here? How am I in this place? And all of us find ourselves in that moment. We've all been there. I've been there. In that pen, covered in the filth and the dirt of the world. But we all have to do exactly what the young son did. And it's to realize that God's grace is bigger than anything you have done and then you have to here's the hard part here's the hard part you then have to stand up and here it is and walk you actually have to start walking back to the table you got to walk back to the house you got to actually start the journey he's throwing the life man he says here here and actually i praise god when we are in life's most dirtiest moments And that we still hear the faint calling of the Spirit to say, come home, come home. Because you see, I actually get worried when we stop hearing it. That means we like where we are. Or maybe it's covered us too much. But man, he's throwing the life raft out. He's throwing it out. And so all of us, you and I, oh, time to stand up. And just take that step back home. Which is where we're going to pick up next week in our story. When the son decided to. It's time to go home. And he goes home. So let me ask this as they play this morning. Is just, are you in a pig pen? I don't know. Are you, are you right now covered with the dirt of life? If you are, here's what I want you to do. If you're in here, you could just nail out your seat. And if you're at home, I want you to turn your house, your living room, your, your whatever, into holy ground. Pray, to dust off the, the dirt of the world. Cause you see the the guy that hired you, the farmer that hired you to feed his pigs, he doesn't care about you. He cared about the pigs more than the guy and than the kid and the young son. He doesn't care about you. And so it's let's go home. And if you are not in that place right now, you're not in the pit, you thank the Lord that you have come home. I want you to be on the lookout because there are brothers and sisters who are falling by our sides, and they need a hand. Grab onto this. I'm right here. Don't let go. We've saved you a place at the table. Come on. Come up here. May each of us be the hands and feet of Jesus. Is today your first step? Is today the day that we will no longer allow our shame, our hurt, our guilt to keep us from the healing hand of Jesus? Come to the Father.